Yes, folks, it's Thursday, 4 p.m. Central. This is Pillars of Franchising, broadcasting the secrets of success in franchising. I'm Fred McMurray in Shell Beach, and my co-host, Ray Pillar, is in where, Ray? Aurora, Illinois, today. Back in Aurora. So, are you uh, just still got in back from, the... No. Are you um, in mobile broadcasting one? Oh, no. Okay. I'm in at the house. But uh, just got back yesterday from Ann Arbor, uh, where Molly Made headquarters is at. So how's the weather out there, Fred? Well, wait, wait, wait. I'll get to the weather, but what? you were what? at Molly Made. But you were at Molly Made headquarters there, dude. You you kind of understate. There was big news there, wasn't there? Yes. There is. Well, spill. Spill what you can. <laughs> well, our, our, our president uh, of Molly Made uh, was a celebration as she's uh, accepted a different position. And uh, so we were there to celebrate her leaving, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, I don't know. Harry was there, too. So, Harry, how would you? Well, how you would haven't you... introduced Harry yet. <laughs> yes, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Harry. Hi, how are you? Hi. Do you want to tell Harry, our, Harry. our listeners that Harry's, young, Harry's last name? Harry Young is our guest today, and I want to welcome Harry to the show. Thank you very much for being on the show, Harry. Harry uh, has the largest uh, franchise, cleaning franchise in the country. And uh, I think it's appropriate that uh, uh, we get him on the show because he can answer a lot of uh, a lot of good questions. But uh, since uh, Fred was dragging the, the question out of me about why we, you and I were in Ann Arbor, wait, maybe Harry could explain it better. Out. Wait, wait. Before <laughs> oh, he does, what? before he does, I think our listeners need need to know that Harry actually has a. a very interesting perspective on it because he himself was past president of Molly Maid, was he not? Yes, he was. Yes. Ooh, I read. <laughs> okay, Harry. <laughs> you, you've, been, you've, you've been reading. <laughs> so let uh, maybe let Harry talk a little bit about that. Please. Well, <laughs> you know, I I think Meg Roberts was just doing what we all do and making the next natural progression in her life and to achieve her dreams and her goals. She's staying in the franchising industry, uh, going on to something that will be a real challenge, a relatively new franchise and a new uh, uh, concept. But uh, I think it just helps her achieve her life goals, as we all try to do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there was a, a lot of tears there that she was leaving. Uh, because she was leaving, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, everybody was happy for her that she's you know moving on to to, uh, to something new and different and exciting, I presume. Um, and she will be missed very, very much, uh, without a doubt. Um, she's a wonderful person, a fantastic leader. Uh, as as uh, she was sort of roasted there, and and most of it was. Uh, about what a fantastic leader she is. And uh, I think what, whatever adventure she finds herself in, 
she will be able to lead that to a tremendous success as she has led Molly Meg. Harry, do you want to argue so, with what Ray said? No, <laughs> not at all. And, and, and I, have to, I have to tell you, I was up there as president for a couple of years, not, not quite two years, and, and, and Meg was far better uh, than anything that I would have been. And uh, she's a very dynamic person. She's a very charismatic person. She's easy to follow, easy to talk to. And uh, been a, she's been a tremendous help to Molly Maid during the last eight years. We've advanced in almost every way you know, under her leadership. So I hate to see her go, but I'm happy for her, and uh, that's a natural mm-hmm. progression yeah. in the world, and we'll be fine. Yeah. So yeah. would you consider taking it back over? <laughs> no, in my age, I couldn't <laughs> do it, <laughs> number one, and I'm very happy in Austin, Texas, and uh, too many other interests now. Okay, so y- you bring up Austin, Texas. Um, I'm assuming you've been to 6th Street. I have, yes, once or twice. Um, okay, so there used to be a, a great cigar store on, I think it was the south side of the street, Babalu's, something like that. Is it still there? I have heard of that cigar store, but I haven't heard of it in a number of years, so I don't know if it's still there. Okay. That tells you how long it's been since I've been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Ray mentioned earlier, you are the largest residential uh, cleaning company in the U.S. You cover, you've got parts of two states or three? Three states. Okay. Yeah, we've got so, locations in Austin and Albuquerque and uh, Tulsa. Uh-huh. So, what's it take to get to be number one like that? Uh, a lot of dedication, a little bit of pain in the beginning, and basically following the system that the franchisor puts out, believing in that system. It's fine to develop your own subsystems, but you follow the main system because it works. It's been proven long before most of us came along. It's proven. And when I came along, and uh, we were just, uh, I don't know that we were very young, but we were certainly dumb. And so we followed what they said. We said followed what they said to do, and it worked. Yeah, yeah. And I guess if you're not going to do that, that, why buy a franchise? That's exactly what we try to tell our listeners. Uh, Some people buy a franchise and and say, "I'm just going to do it my way," because they don't know what they're talking about. Well, that's really dumb. (laughs) You know, why pay uh, all that money for uh, advice you're not going to take? You know, so that's one of the things we definitely tell owner, uh, owners who listen in on our show as well as uh, prospective owners who listen in on our show. So let me, let me ask you this, Harry. What, what is the single most thing that you would say would make an owner successful in owning and operating a franchise? Well, I think same answer. Follow, follow the system. Now, you know, that has mm-hmm. some that has some. Uh, ramifications in it with regard to your initial capitalization, uh, following and doing the amount of marketing and advertising that the franchisor suggests, maybe more if you want to grow faster. Uh, But it's basically, I mean, I don't think I am a very good entrepreneur in that 
I would not have thought up the concept of Molly Maid. So if you're a person who, however, can take a concept and work with it, make it successful, and make it grow, then franchising is for you. Uh, and I'd say that in my history, in my work history, I'm pretty good at that, and I really enjoy it, and that makes franchising a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you know, I'm, everybody got into uh, their franchise for different reasons. Why did you pick the cleaning industry? Oh, yeah, that's well, been on my mind, too. Yeah, there's, okay, <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's a very good question. And we have to take it a little farther to say why did I pick Molly Maid, but in some respects, the reason I picked Molly Maid and the reason I picked the cleaning industry are the same. Um, really, uh, several things. One is, believe it or not, the family-friendly hours. Now, I'm, I'm a workaholic, so you'll find me working around the clock seven days a week, but if you want to get good employees and your employee base is largely female and largely single moms, it's important to them to be home in the evenings and be home on the weekends. So if you can have a business where they can achieve that, makes it a bit easier to find your employees. And that applies to both the maids, or we call them home service professionals, HSPs, or your office staff, which is so important to grow in the business. So that's one reason. Second reason, um, and in, in, in particularly in this business, and maybe it should be the first reason, is the recurring revenue. The sweet spot in the maid business is that you're going to clean these houses over and over and over again. It's, what, August uh, something today, the 16th or so, and I already know what next year's revenue is going to be. At least I know what the lowest number it is. I don't know the highest number yet, but I know what it's going to be because of the recurring revenue um, in, our, in the particular case now of Molly Maid, there's another reason it fits in there, and that's the software that they give us to run the system with. It's extraordinary. I've been involved in a number of scheduling projects in my life, and this system is as good as any of them I've seen, and those include things like at FedEx and UPS and, and so on. And last but not least, there is nothing coming along at the time we bought or today that's going to replace the maid industry. There's no technology coming along that's going to put us out of business. So mm -hmm. those four reasons are the reasons that I bought into the made business. And, and I looked at others. I looked at printing. I looked at uh, uh, travel. Um, I looked at mailboxes, et cetera, which was still alive in those days. I looked at others and settled on this one for those reasons. Okay. That's, so that's interesting. Pearl, wait. Before you follow hey, go up, ahead, right? go ahead, Fred. Before you follow Okay. Um, one, I want to. I'm going to first tell our listeners that they can call in at 323-580-5755. We want to thank the Link Global Network. And also, something new today, a surprise, right? Um, if you go to the pillarsoffranchising.com website, you can click on the chat button and ask questions through the web. Ooh, ne new technology Ooh, rollout. That yeah. That is new. Pretty cool, isn't it? That's, yeah. Yeah. First day, so, yeah, I know. I was just, I was just going to say to Harry, you know, the reason I, I picked this particular industry uh, or it became high on the list was simply because I, I was, uh, how should I say, laid off because of the high-tech industry I was in. I was in three different high-tech industries, and the uh, high-tech <laughs> had had me laid off. Uh, the first one was the autom automotive high tech industry, and uh, the the products 
got shrunk down, and then I was in the uh, uh, v, uh, with Sharp Electronics. I was in with, in with the uh, VCRs, and you know what happened to VCRs. And then the, my last industries, I was in the telephone industry, and then, of course, now cell phones have taken over that. So I figured I would just get in an industry that can't be taken over by high tech. But what's really interesting about this industry, though, is that there's a lot of high tech in it. And, and uh, that, uh, as Harry mentioned, the software is outstanding. And uh, it, it, it makes the life of an owner and manager so much easier. Um, I think probably when Harry started, and correct me if I'm wrong, Harry, you were still using whiteboards uh, and keeping track of customers. Is that correct? Well, yeah, a long, a long roll of pink paper that was about 40 feet long and two feet high, and you wrote all your customers in it. And if one of them changed their frequency or changed their day, you went down this whole roll of paper and raced all their names and put them in the new spot. And every day you needed a special vacuum cleaner to just vacuum up the erasers. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 this is very good. I mean, not, how many of us wake up on Monday morning one time and say we want to spend the rest of our life cleaning toilets? Probably not many. That's right. But when you get into okay, this so, business, this is a sweet business. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, we we need to stop there because I got to run and run um, one of our ads, and and you hit that magic phrase that would um, annoy the crap out of Kristen. Uh, you're breaking up again, Fred. But so I got to run the ad, then I want to come back and, and ask you a question on that. So here we go. Okay. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over a hundred franchise professionals with more than two thousand years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Okay, now we're back. So, um, Harry, you, you said you don't just sit, wake up one day and decide you want to clean toilets, and and I and um, other guests have have uh, said the same thing. However, what was your job before you um, decided to buy a, a franchise? Before I decided to clean toilets, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I was CEO of a of a firm in uh, in Washington D.C. in a, a, a military contracting firm. Call what the name? Uh, and the name was JWK International. So you went from high tech, where you, you turned it around to cleaning toilets. So, yeah. What to do to make that change? 
Well, a lot of things, including the one that I just wanted to get out of the government's budgeting cycle and the fear of laying off all your employees every September 29th and uh, the, the the stuff that goes along with that. Um, so, and to get out of get out of the weather and come down to a much better business climate and much better weather climate in Texas. In fact, we came to Austin before we decided what we were going to do in Austin. So, and we looked at, and we looked at several franchising concepts. So, uh, and then decided on Molly Maid. At the same time, unexpected, I got an offer I couldn't refuse to be CEO of another firm here, an electronics and, and software firm doing air defense systems for the government. So I actually did that for a while while my wife ran this business. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting, but. You know, one of the things that came to mind in, in talking to you, first of all, you have a very, very impressive background. And, and, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, your resume, you know, is absolutely fabulous. But what would you say you can prepared find more you? on the website. Yeah. What prepared you to run a Molly Maid? I know it was a little shocking for me when I started it. But what prepared you for, to, to, to run a Molly Maid franchise? Well, if you run this the way I wanted to, and, and, and during training we had to clean for a day up in Ann Arbor, and I made the decision at the end of that day that I would never clean another house as long as I lived, and I've, I've lived up to that. I've lived up to that. And, and so if you treat this like a business and not a mom-and-pop store, and you hire the right staff, this becomes a microcosm of any large business you want. We do all the things that a large company does, we do them on a smaller scale, and the only difference in some of the companies that I've been CEO of made a product, this company provides a service, and other than that, we do everything that a large company does. We have our accounting function, our marketing function, operations function, we have all those things. So it's not that different than running uh, a large company if you organize it in that way, and it's fun. It's it's really fun, and 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 okay, maybe so, the most fun is nurturing the people. Okay, so there's still in and from our listeners, we we've talked to a whole lot of folks, and some of them have been uh, achieved great success or in, in franchising. But you're the first one that we've talked to that's number one. So you say there there's a difference there. What's the uh, what's that secret sauce to becoming number one? Oh, that's that's because really easy. That's really easy. the people you hire along the way, treating it like a business, uh, hiring a staff that buy into your goals and your objectives, and then incentivizing them to make those goals and objectives. Uh, there's all kinds of different ways you can incentivize them: percentages of revenue, percentage percentages of profit, and so on. Uh, I'm a big believer in incentivizing on results, not activities, so I tend to incentivize my staff on either top-line revenue or bottom-line profit, both of which are results. And uh, and then the fun of it is nurturing and training and coaching. I, I call my job training, coaching, and cheerleading those people to perform way beyond where they ever thought they could and make way more money than they ever thought they could while making a lot of money for me. So the difference is recognizing like at, yeah, recognizing attributes of people they didn't know they had. Yes, absolutely. And people will answer the call. People that don't even think they can mm -hmm. answer the call. 
Yes, yes. And that is a, a, a talent that uh, uh, we had a guest two weeks ago, I believe it was, that uh, uh, Dr. Maria Malater, and she was talking uh, a lot about the culture and, and the business. And I think one of the things that is becoming evident in many businesses today and I say today, most recently, is uh, getting the right employees. And uh, it, it's, it's going to take a lot of talent from people to make sure they use emotional intelligence to gather those people and, and encourage them uh, to succeed. Um, and I think that's going to be the biggest problem of business owners coming in, in the near future because employees will be, uh, how should I say, hard to find. It'll be all artificial intelligence, according to Google. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've taken we've taken our our more tenured employees, and we have four of those who have been with us more than five years, and and in the, in this case, a couple at ten years and one at eighteen, and given them a percentage of ownership in the company, and we intend to keep right on doing that as employees stay with us for a while so that they become a little bit more than employees. They become owners also, and they're they're proud of that. Oh, yes. Most definitely. So what what did you do to prepare? Uh, I'm going to change gears a little bit. What did you do to prepare uh, uh, prior to purchasing the franchise to assure that you meet your financial and life goals and objectives? What, you know, what was your due diligence? Let's put it that way. Well, we talked to a lot of owners. We talked to the 20 top owners in several systems, not just Molly Made, and in some of these other concepts that we were looking at, printing and so on. And we also tried to talk to a few of the ones that had left the system or were not performing well, find out what the ones that were performing well were doing right, find out what the ones that didn't perform well were doing wrong. We prepared pro forma P&Ls. Uh, we gathered data from mm. other owners and from any place we could find it, and we were able in the end to prepare a pro forma P&L that three or four years into the business was still right on track. Uh, we wow. looked at those, and you have to look at those based on regions because workers' compensation insurance rates, car insurance rates, tax rates, all different in different regions. So you, it's not a one-size-fits-all deal. Then and I learned this in bigger business, turn around and follow that plan. Make that plan your guide. Don't just put it on the shelf so it can gather dust. It becomes your business plan and, and follow mm-hmm. it. So we did a lot of preparation before we bought, and then the matter was have the plan ready and executed after you after you open up. Yep, yep. I, I agree with that. And you know, I know that although I didn't have a written plan, I certainly had one in my head. And uh, one of the things I, I I had in my head was to begin with the end in mind. And uh, I think you know where that may come from, Harry, uh, Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, the definitely, uh, I'm <laughs> uh, not that the com- my company's near the end, but I'm nearing my end. And I, I think all the preparation that I had done uh, is uh, finally bearing fruit. Well, the, the the made business particularly is such a sweet business because of the recurring revenue. We had a speaker at convention mm-hmm. a few years ago that was there to tell us how to spend the money after we sold our our business, and he obviously wanted mm-hmm. to manage that money for us. But he actually had mm-hmm. to get up on stage and say he'd done some research, and he couldn't perform his mission. 
He said, I can't do it with Molly May. You can't. Uh, the Molly, the normal t- situation with a small business is buy it, grow it, and sell it. With Molly May, you should buy it, grow it, and milk it. And you don't ever need to sell yeah. it. Keep it for the rest of your life. It becomes your living 401k. And boy, yes. is that true? That yes. is absolutely true. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have no point. intention on leaving the business. That's for sure. Wait, Go ahead, okay. Fred. Right. So one, yeah, I'll have a follow-up question. Two. Um, uh, to the folks that are browsing on the website, listening on the website right now, please feel free to initiate a chat. We are watching that. Um, that's to our active uh, website li- uh, listeners. And now a message from our sponsor, the Promo Sharecast Network. PromoShareCast.com always been a leader and I've always been pretty creative. It all starts with with character. Speaker of podcasts. <laughs> Success is a result of steady roller coaster. Just took a deep dive. Yeah. It's a genius idea, right? <laughs> Health, wealth, and spirituality. <laughs> I'm Antonio Holman, and if you want to be more successful, check out my podcast, The Four Principles of Success, at the4pos.com, part of the Success Media Network. And so, go ahead, Ray. You wanted to, you had a follow up there. No, you had the follow up. Well, um, <laughs> you said you were going to. So you had a follow up. At, at this point, Ray, you're as you're talking about you, um, you've been actively planning to so you can take uh, the mobile broadcasting studio one all across the U.S. on the pillars of franchising, aka my um, RV. Yeah, you broadcast it from how many locations? Yeah, oh, I don't know, three or four so far. So, but Harry, you just bought the Molly Maid at Tulsa, so right. you're, um, A, what made you decide on Tulsa? B, have you ever gotten caught in the speed traps north of Tulsa? Um, <laughs> and, and C, are you going to grow, are you... Are you going to grow more? Uh, let me answer B first, and that's a yes, and I probably should <laughs> take the fifth on it. But between Tulsa and Bartleville, yes. Uh, not in this life, but in a previous life. Um, but Tulsa is a city with the right demographics, similar to our, our operation in Albuquerque, but a better economy. Uh, Tulsa had a very good uh, manager in place. The owners there had a very unfortunate accident that left the main owner disabled. So I bought it at a fair price, but they had to get out of it, and I knew them well, that we were friends. Um, And I inherited an excellent manager to manage it and uh, to to take it forward. And we're in the process of training her, making the investment up there that we need to make. So it looked like it was a very good deal that had a $2 million, maybe $2 million-plus potential for revenue. Um, and uh, would make some ladies up there some money as well as us down here. Okay, so that's two of three. Two of the three questions. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think we did. We actually talked a little bit about the the third question, uh, and that's you know how important is your internal organization in achieving your growth and profitability goals. And uh, Harry has already said that it's extremely important because you can't, as much as you'd like to, you can't do it all. You just simply can't. 
and uh, you, you may not even have the skills to do it all, but uh, although I'm sure Harry does, you still, when you get your organization so big, you just can't do it. So it's important to groom your uh, organization, and uh, maybe Harry can uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how he did that in his organization. Well, let me tell a short story. In, a, in an earlier life, I started a company at the same time as a friend of mine did, and uh, we both grew for a few years, did pretty well, and uh, we compared notes on a snowy weekend up in Connecticut uh, maybe four or five years after we started. We were both about the same size, same number of employees. His expense ratios were higher, and he was worried about that because he couldn't compete as well. We were in a competitive contracting business. And he worried about that. Uh, he had an extra layer of management, an extra layer of managers and, uh, and, and leaders in his company. Uh, a few years later, we kind of got trapped again together for a weekend out in San Diego and compared numbers again. At that point, and I had a flat management, uh, a very flat management uh, structure. Pretty much everybody reported to me I could have done any of the jobs the company took on if I had to. Uh, a few years later, we were stuck in a similar situation. We compared numbers. I had grown to about 300 people. He had grown to 1,800 people. And wow. the difference in the two was that he took that extra row of people, and yes, there were costs early on in those, invested in them, and they each grew a section of the company. And I, in my company, had become the bottleneck. I was the thing that was keeping it from growing because I could only do so much. You only got so much bandwidth, uh, to use a, a current phrase. But... So I became the bottleneck. So I did a lesson hard learned, but learned, and I decided that the key to, to growing a company or any company was really ha get things done through leadership and through other people and, and, and get people that are happy to do that and make them a part of it and properly incentivize them. So when we started, we had an organization chart that would make any company envious. It had every position on it. And uh, interestingly enough, it either had my name or my wife's name in every box. Uh, our mm -hmm. goal was mm -hmm. to get our name out of every box. And, and yeah. somewhere down the road, not too far, to just be one name in the top box, and everybody else would be performing the other functions. And we would hire them and train them and teach them and coach them and let them grow and enjoy uh, company life and, and growing in a company and growing themselves. And that's worked wonderfully. That's 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 the key. It's people, and it's people that can share your goals and objectives. That's the key. Okay. So de delegating, delegating. Yeah. In, in my case, I, I the first thing I delegated was the things I hated to do, <laughs> and but I kept all the things I liked to do. I still like to work on my cars, so I still work on cars and vacuum cleaners. But uh, uh, yeah. Uh, as far as scheduling is concerned, I wasn't very good at that. I let that I let the managers handle that. <laughs> what were you going to say, Fred? So, I was going to ask Harry, um, with the the size of organization that he's grown um, with in in Mali Made, um, to go from you and your wife's name in all of those boxes out to, as you put it, you don't want to be pretty much anywhere in any of them. Um, how did you did you prioritize what areas you were working in first, or did you just kind of generally assault all the areas that involved in the company? 
No, I would say that it's some combination of that, Fred. We we hired people. Uh, my interview process is very, very short, and it's really what I call a chemistry interview. Will they be able to catch the culture that we're using here? Will I like working with them? Will they like working with me? Um, and and then put those people to work doing a number of different things for a while and then see what they like best. Employees always do best at what they like best and see which part of it they like best and try to fit them in to where they and play off of their strengths, fit them in. So I didn't fill the boxes in any particular order. I filled them in the order in which people came along that would fit the box nicely. And uh, I've been lucky to find people in all of those function areas that do very, very well. And uh, some of them, mm-hmm. these functional areas were totally new to them. But they're learning, still learning today. I'm still learning today. I'm 75 years old and still learning today. So uh, I think that uh, uh, it wasn't any, I wish I could tell you it was a grand plan, but it wasn't. It was looking for people and playing to their strengths. Yes, absolutely. Find, find a good person that has the right chemistry, and you can train them to do whatever you need to do. And if you find out what they like, you can even train them easier. One of the things wow. we do is we, we train everybody that needs to be uh, everybody that uh, we train everybody on everything that needs to be done in the office. But we know certain people excel at certain things, and we let them go ahead with that. But at the same time, they are also trained on other things, which means that if for whatever reason someone gets sick or you know is taking vacation, those spots are automatically filled in our office. But we, uh, you know, like I said, we also recognize the fact that people will excel in certain things, even though they're trained on everything that there is to do in the office. You know, uh, they they will excel at certain things, and we make sure they know it. <laughs> we, make, you know, we always celebrate celebrate their achievements, and uh, you know, and and downplay the uh, the other side of that. Okay, so on that, um, I'll remind our web visitors that they can uh, start a chat. Listeners can call in at 323-540-5755, assuming that, that of course, this is uh, Thursday, August 16th. And now our last sponsor. Hey, franchise owners. Does the marketing that corporate provides for your franchise go far enough? Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to MediaVineMarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. MediaVine Marketing. We know franchises, and we want to help yours grow. And we're back. So, Harry, I want to ask you uh, a question that one of our earliest guests um, had. We asked him, and you remember... um, Ray, you're a colleague who founded the Chicago Co-op. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Um, the question we asked him was how, and, and given the size you've grown and the people you, you know, even with the process you've got, 
Um, I got a feeling that not everyone was a stellar hire. Um, how have you dealt with difficult clients? <laughs> your, what's your horror story? <laughs> you <know? laughs> Give us well, well, uh, the Yeah, the with show care. isn't long enough. <laughs> yeah, with, with care. He's got eight minutes. Uh, we, Just one. We, yes, we've got our share of difficult clients, and we've got those employees in the office that do better than others at handling difficult clients and won't get flustered and will try their best to do everything within reason to satisfy the client, uh, and we'll do that. We'll go out of our way. We really treat our clients as as if they were golden. We don't have any of what some of the cleaning services fees for this and fees for that and lockout fees and we don't I call them the wacky fees and we don't have any of the wacky fees. Uh well, people can cancel their cleanings in our case right till the time we're on their doorstep and we don't like it, but it's part of good customer service. Uh there will be customers that you just can't satisfy and they're gonna write a bad review about you from time to time. The key to that is have uh, twenty five good ones for every bad one. Um but you can't you can't please them all, but you can certainly try completely within the limits of reasonability. Uh, and it's not a perfect it's not a perfect situation. Yes, right. yeah, it's it's a it can be a difficult situation. That's that's for sure. And usually, you know, not usually, but sometimes there's a, a silver lining to a cloud. I mean, you can sometimes turn a bad situation into a good, but. Uh, uh, as I say, we can. Uh, I think uh, a lot of owners in our business can can write a book uh, on, on some of the crazy things that happen. But I think one one of the questions I'd like to ask Harry and and uh, you know for our listeners is uh, because Harry's uh, very much respected uh, in his his knowledge of the industry. What are some of the things that if you're uh, you're out there, uh, you're a CEO, you're you're uh, uh, looking, or a lot of I know a lot of uh, people are looking after they retire from the business they've been in, or, or not business, but the company they've been with, in starting a business. Uh, what advice would you give them, and how to how to start their search for something that would fit them? Well, I think you've got to do a couple of things, and and you just the last part of your sentence there is looking for something that'll fit them. For example. Um, since my wife was going to be running the business in the beginning, and we had four different businesses picked out, we narrowed it down to Molly Mate, partly because she felt like she'd be a lot more comfortable at a person-to-person sale inside someone's home than she would a business-to-business sale, maybe in the printing industry, for example. So sort of you have to look for a company that fits your comfort level and try to match those things uh, before you get in. You've also got to look at a company where you have the right amount of money to get it to break even, and you're not going to run out of money early. Uh, there's some. We looked at a Benihana. We love eating at Benihana. We looked at a Benihana. To start a Benihana is $960,000 uh, in 1994, and we didn't want to spend quite that much. So uh, there's plenty of businesses out there, but finding the right match for your personality, uh, your capabilities, and your wallet. Uh, is is the key to the whole thing, and uh, like I said, we didn't dream a Molly Maid would be it. And it's a hard business, a very hard business to start, very hard business in the very couple of year, first couple of years. At any point in the first two years, my wife would have quit with five minutes' notice. 
Now, by the time mm-hmm. that we got the five years, she was saying it was the best decision we ever made. But yeah. Uh, yeah. it's rough. But I've started other businesses, and they're all rough in the first couple of years. There's nothing easy. Nothing worthwhile is going to be really easy. Uh, I have to agree with that. It, it, it's definitely rough. Uh, you know, I started my business from scratch, and it, uh, you know, the, the first year or two, you begin to, well, what did I do? Did I make a terrible mistake? But one of the things that I think people need is to uh, is to stick with it and make sure that that, that they have plenty of capital, to, uh, especially if things get rough, uh, you know, as we had in 2008, 2009. When, the, when things get rough and you've already invested uh, a great, uh, amount of money into a business, you don't want to give it up just because things get a little rough. So uh, I, one of the, the advices I give people is make sure that you, you're uh, adequately capitalized. For sure. We had to sign on our desk. We all had it on our desk. The failure is not an option, and we tried to follow that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So um, have you ever considered buy, uh, buying uh, franchise? Other franchises outside of the cleaning industry. In other words, not buying well, I, more mileage, but buying. I owned one for about ten years. I owned a franchise of a recruiting firm, and and I enjoyed that too because it was a service. But it's very seasonable and it's very much uh, affected by the economic cycle. Uh, but I did enjoy it, and it was a good franchising experience. It's probably why I decided in '94 to get back into owning a franchise. Uh, haven't considered it since because I've watched other people. When Molly made and uh, was, who was part of this was part of the service brands organization of companies, introduced Mr. Handyman. There were a number of Molly made owners, about 40 of them, that went and bought Mr. Handyman businesses. Inevitably, their Molly made went downhill after that because they took their eye off of it. It was a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't really considered it since that. That was about 19. Uh, uh, 2001 or two, and I haven't really considered it since then because I've gotten to know this one pretty well and I've gotten pretty comfortable with it and how to do it. And uh, you know, I, I I've been CEO seven or eight times. I used to say the Lord's going to keep me doing it till I've done it right, and I think maybe this time I might be able to do it right. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it, <laughs> definitely. Um, so, it, go ahead, Fred. Sorry, I was just going to say to, wow, um, people multiplying on the website. Good thing we installed the, the chat. Um, great seeing real-time analytics. So <laughs> on the site, impressive. They're all uh, tuning in to listen to you, Harry. So what if somebody wants to be number one, mm-hmm. what should they do, whether it's franchising or not? Uh well, you can't be number one without hard work. You can't be number one without having the right staff. Uh, you can't have. You can't be number one if you don't have the right culture and you don't uh, cultivate it and motivate the people to follow that culture. So, uh, it's it's all a matter of how you deal with people, and uh, that I think people is in all of my life. And I've mostly been in the service business, but I have been in the manufacturing business a couple of times. It's always been the people. So start with the people and the right capitalization, and you can very easily make it to number one. I'm sure, I mean, every record is meant to be broken, and we're number one today, but I'm sure somebody's going to pass us one of these days. I'm kind of hoping it's somebody we trained along the way. That's that's kind of my 
Wish in Life, we've trained about 100 owners here since we started for a week at a time. And I'm kind of hoping one of them is the one to pass us up. That would be the greatest honor you could have. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. Did you train him, Ray? Did he train you? No. Did, did Harry train me? No. No. I was uh, trained by somebody else. But uh, I wish I had been trained by Harry, and I know a lot of people <laughs> that had been trained by Harry. And uh, over the years, Harry and I have talked, and I, I keep on telling Harry, i got to visit your shop, Harry. i, I got to come out and see you. And it just never happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, who knows? Maybe someday I'll be out there. <laughs> All right, and that does actually, it for Harry's, Harry's, yeah, Harry's been visited, uh, has visited me, but I have not visited Harry. So Harry's been all over the place, though. He, he loves to fly, that's for sure. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to tell our live, live listeners goodbye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that's okay. So if you're listening to the podcast, um, which means we're no longer live, please uh, – Ray or Harry, how do people get a hold of you if they need to get a hold of you? Hey, easy. I answer my phone pretty much day and night and the weekends, and my cell phone number is 512-940-3232, and I'm available pretty much seven days a week. All right, so you've got to come back on this show again, again with us because there's a whole lot of other questions we want to ask. I'd be glad to. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Harry. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, folks. Nice and being with you. Have a good evening, everyone. Bye.